My head throbbed, and painfully bright light crept under my eyelids from the blazing noonday sun. What had happened? I couldn't remember. I maneuvered up onto one elbow and looked around. Pain shot through my every nerve, agonizing pain. Everything was blurry, as if I needed glasses, except that I didn't wear glasses. Where was I? My eyes refocused to a vision of white sand, stretching for miles of crystal blue ocean, marred by debris that washed up from a single-engine plane. The nose and tail of the mangled plane were buried in the shallow water about a hundred feet from shore, as if someone had snapped the plane in two like a wooden pencil. When I saw the wreckage, memories flooded back in a rush. I was taking my first long joyride in a home-built plane, and I'd hit a violent downdraft. The last thing I saw before crashing was the sky underneath me and the ocean overhead as I pulled the handle of the ejection seat, which catapulted me straight into the ocean. I was still far enough out that I didn't hit bottom, but how had I survived that? Why didn't I drown? Pain jabbed my head and I sank back into the scorching sand. I was too exhausted to wonder how I was going to get home with my radio sitting at the bottom of the ocean. I'd been flying over an isolated sector of uninhabited islands, or so I believed. I laid in the sand and closed my eyes, drifting into a semi-conscious state. After what could have been moments or hours, I heard laughter so sweet and delicate that it reminded me of wind chimes tinkling in the breeze. Was I hallucinating? I felt small, soft hands gently prodding my body and lost consciousness. I lapsed back and forth between consciousness and oblivion for days as soft hands and shy giggles swam through my dreams. A sing-song voice startled me. Please, come awake. You sleep too many days. Several women giggled, and I opened my eyes. The pain was almost gone. A girl, no, a woman, leaned over me. She had silky black hair down to her navel and hazel eyes fringed with long black lashes. Her nose was small and flat, and her smile showed tiny white teeth. She wore a sarong of bright green and yellow and red cloth tied over one hip. The cloth barely covered the soft black fuzz that curled ever so slightly between her slender thighs. Nothing covered her satiny breasts, which were big enough to fill my cupped hands with some left over. The coffee-colored aureoles around her nipples were a full two inches across, and her nipples thrust out like two juicy grapes waiting to be plucked. She caressed a nipple when she saw that I'd been staring at them. Never having seen a man before, the gesture was not a shy one, but more of a question. Mainini, she said, pointing to herself. Mainini, she repeated slowly. Mainini, I said, lingering over the syllables. She smiled. Several other women, who had quietly stood on the other side of the hut, approached and formed a circle around the cot I was on. All of the women were dressed like Mainini except for different colors of cloth. A sea of beautiful faces surrounded me, 
each of them staring at my manhood with surprise. Only then did I realize that I was naked, with a heart on. These women had never seen a man before, let alone a naked man. They'd been dropped off on the island as babes to be raised by the other women because their homeland had too many women. They lived out their lives on this island without men so that they could not reproduce. One by one, they reached out and touched my penis, causing it to throb with desire. It was overfull of hot juice, ready to explode, and I groaned. They moved back, afraid that they'd hurt me, and put their hands over their mouths, gasping small o's of surprise. Mainini, their bold leader, came forward again, 